0: this is eric rutan of cannibal corpse you are listening to the scars and guitars podcast
1: with andrew mckay smith g'day everybody thanks so much for joining me i really appreciate it i've got a conversation with david vincent formerly of morbid angel to share with you now this conversation occurred very early on in my podcasting career on May 4th, 2017, and it's been available on the Scars and Guitars podcast via the usual apps, Apple Music, etc. ever since, and this is the first time I'm launching it on YouTube. Throughout this chat here, you'll learn David's reasons for transitioning into Outlaw Country, his move to Texas, he talks about that. We discussed Genie Torturers, I haven't heard him talk about that really Anywhere else, And I've listened to a fair few of his interviews, but uh, we dive into that topic there, and of course we discuss Morbid Angel. In particular, um, I was very keen to learn about his thoughts and opinions on working with former bandmates. And at the time, poor old Richard Brunel was alive, so you'll have to wait and see what he has to say about Richard there. So this conversation, again, is very early on in my podcasting career. It's not as free-flowing as uh, you've probably gotten used to me in so many of the episodes, but I was still learning the craft back then. I think it's still pretty good, and there's plenty of deep insight here for the seasoned and relatively new Morbid Angel fan, you're gonna get something out of it. So here he is, David Vincent from, or ex Morbid Angel. You a heartfelt congratulations on a stellar career. Uh, I've got a bunch of questions that I would like to ask you about your career, but before we talk about the past, let's talk about the present. Drinking with the Devil. What's your <laughs> What's your take on fan reaction to your new material? Well,
0: believe it or not, it's much more positive than I expected. At, at least from uh, you know from my historical fans. Um, I think people get it. You know, it's yeah. It's uh, I'm just telling stories in a different way. That's all. You know, I'd, uh, after arriving in Texas, I started <clears throat> working uh, with some some musicians that I met here, and uh, I just felt
1: inspired and, and
0: just started writing a bunch of songs.
1: Mhm. So, and, uh, well, that's a good point, actually. What what inspired you to move to Texas and start writing and performing outlaw country music? Well.
0: Let's just say that I went through a lot of life changes and um, this is uh, somewhere that I had in the back of my mind always thought, yeah, I really would, really would like to get out that way. Um, and it, it, it finally, uh, it finally, you know, happened. Um, and uh, since it has, I just, you know, I just, I'd, I decided that I was just going to like Open up, and open myself up to uh, some some different ideas, and you know listening to some different stuff, and you know meeting meeting some different folks,
1: and uh, it's it's been very fulfilling. Sure, yeah. What um what country artists inspire you in particular? Is it um is it a, you know the, the the cliche there of course is Johnny Cash, but um I, I assume it. Goes well, to I don't think things, he's but... cliched at all.
0: Well, listen, I'd stop you there.
1: <clears throat> I don't think that Johnny Cash is
0: is cliched at all. I mean, he is one roots artist who, gosh, I mean, he, he is he is crossed into being counted amongst the fans of, of, of a, a very diverse group of genres. So, sure, yeah. people who are into metal like him, people that are in country like him, people that are in rock like him, you know, old people, young people. Um, all all different walks of life. I mean, he's he's one of those rare individuals that uh, that had a hell of a career. So yes, of course. I mean, I've I've always liked Johnny Cash. Um, I I don't care for for you know for some of the new more you know I guess pop country uh, type stuff. Sure, yeah. That's that, that's you know. But I don't know that I like that in any <laughs> in any genre. I don't really like pop metal. I don't really like you know pop dance, I don't, I don't know, it's just you
1: know, yeah. not really my, my cup of tea. But, yeah, uh, yeah, not really music that moves moves anybody except for shifting units, as they like to say in the record industry, you know. Um, do you think this is something that is a, a, a permanent change for you? Can we expect the, the country music or the outlaw country music to be a, a continuous factor in your career? Well, I'm doing four things
0: right now. Um, that is one of four things that I'm doing, but I, I just, you know what, I'm at a point where, you know, I've, I've been on this planet for a while, and um, I've done, you know, I mean, I've, I've been fortunate enough to visit, you know, just about every country that I've wanted to. Um, I've, I've, I've played, you know, shitty small clubs, I've played the biggest festivals in the world, like I've done, pretty much everything and now I'm I've decided that I just want to do you know just whatever whatever comes to mind and not really it it doesn't have to have a preconceived notion Um, so that's a long answer to a short question but the answer is yes and um, that's something but I I keep it separate I mean I would never combine you know metal and country because I look at it, t- it, it you yeah. know, entirely differently. Yeah, you know? yeah. And Uncle obviously, Cor- the players are. Well, I mean, and, you know, the people that uh, that I make the uh, the roots music with are not. They're not metal musicians. I mean, that's just not. They don't live in that world.
1: Yeah, yeah, so. gotcha. Well, let's talk about the metal music for a moment, because you've recently announced the formation and intention to perform Morbid Angel songs underneath a new banner. I am Morbid. Tell me what the motivation and the decision to perform Morbid Angel songs, new musicians is motivated by.
0: Well, basically, I just hired a couple of guitar players, and this is really fan driven. Yes, this is after just every just people coming to me, man. You know, we want to hear you, and you know, like you know, we 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 want to hear you sing your songs, and uh, yes. and, and which I'm not opposed to, but I mean, you know, again, I, I had to get a few things out of my system before. Um, before I came back this way, but I'm actually really excited about it. Um, the stuff yeah. sounds great, um, and there's uh, <clears throat> a, a lot less aggravation.
1: Yeah, yeah, no, I can imagine. And Bill Hudson, phenomenal guitar player. Tell me how you both met. Well, I've known him for some
0: time. In fact, um, when we were. Uh, when we were auditioning guitar players prior to uh, prior to uh, to Destructor, uh coming in the band, yep. Bill Bill actually sent, um, like he he actually auditioned. I, I, it didn't make it to the formal stage. I went out and met him, and I went and saw him play. Um, I didn't I, I didn't think that it was the right time, but he and I became you know friends over the years and a phenomenal guitar player is a, is an understatement um, yep. he's a very very good guitar player um, and uh it's been you know it's been fun you know sort of reinterpreting um some of some classical material with him
1: yeah I can imagine and um I first heard of Tim Young when I bought a uh, Hate Eternal album back in year 2000, I think it was, and mm-hmm. I had the pleasure of seeing you both perform in Morbid Angel in uh, the Hi-Fi in Brisbane in 2014, which was a phenomenal show, by the way. Um, you guys oh, cool. are clearly bonding musically. Can you tell me about your partnership with Tim? Well,
0: you know, one thing is, is in, uh, you know, as a bass player, you know, your, your drummer is your best friend. Mm-hmm. Yep. Um, we uh, we really hit it off. I mean, it, you know, and have maintained a friendship w- within the band and outside of the band. We share a lot of the same interests, um, and we've been we, we've kept we've kept in touch through thick and through thin. Uh, and I really like him. I mean, he's he's a he's a a gem to play with. A, again, a, a incredibly talented musician um he's capable of doing anything that you throw at him and and doing it well yeah um so it 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 felt you know when we uh we had our initial rehearsals and just everything just it's almost like just picking back up it's like wow yeah he's like yeah you know i've kind of missed this too and i'm like all right well well good so
1: uh (laughs) you know it it, it, it it all you know the stars aligned you mentioned something there, which I've been... I'm a musician as well. I'm a bass player and a guitarist, but I'm a bass player first and foremost. And your bass playing is something that rarely gets mentioned, yet you can actually play it rather well. I remember in the Brisbane show, you actually started to do some thumb bass for a moment. I don't know whether you remember that, but you started doing some slap-and-pop Larry Graham stuff for about three seconds, and <laughs> I wished you'd kept on going with it. <laughs> can, can well, you, yeah, that's
0: <clears throat> you know, that, that, that's not really my forte. Um sometimes if i'm uh just you know just messing around but i mean i you know i can't i don't i don't have that vibe and yeah. there are certainly people out there that, that would always do that much better than i could um but I, I i just i enjoy bass as an instrument i mean it uh i mean i you know i have a low voice so i hear low i'm just a low-end kind of guy you know yeah
1: yeah um who were um, tell me a bit about a bit more about your inspirations on the bass guitar though because as you say you, you you've you've um, you've selected the instrument as your as your choice given your, the timbre of your voice um, but did anybody inspire you to play the bass in particular
0: well the, the, yeah I mean I can go back to my childhood um, I started with uh, Dennis Dunaway and Mel Shacker and uh, geezer Butler obviously mm-hmm um those were probably the the initials uh the initial few uh, and then Chris Squire Great, uh, yep. and then uh, um, obviously Steve Harris had a had a, a profound change on course, it, it yeah. even the way that I look at the instrument um so yeah, I mean just well, you know <clears throat> good good '70s stuff and um and then you know back when. You could actually listen to a record, and there was the bass wasn't just just a shadow um, of the guitar, and and you know when that's one thing about metal, and it's kind of gotten there. Either you overplay it, or you, in order to you know if you when you have a riff centric band, that um, plays material like the Morbin morbid material. Yep. Um, oftentimes there's not much room to you know to to really hot rod as you will yeah um it's just stick with the drums and obviously you know when when you have a, a series of chromatic passing tones there's not much room in there to 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 do you know a walk per se yeah for sure
1: yeah so yeah, no, good answer. Good answer. It's, it's. I don't think I've ever really read you commenting on your bass player, so thanks for sharing that. Bass playing, so thanks for sharing that, yeah. Um, you are an originator of both death metal and grindcore, so what's your own take on your contribution to the extreme metal genre, given the reverence by fans and critics for both Morbid Angel and Terrorizer?
0: Well, you know... I just feel that you know I've just always done what what has has moved me. Um, when we were, you know, first starting out in the in the early early days of Morbid Angel, there wasn't sort of something to look to and be like, well, we want to sound like this. Uh, there, there there weren't a lot of bands, so we didn't really pay attention necessarily to what others were doing i mean there was a few you know, chuck Schuldiner, um and yeah. you know a few other free sorted of underground you know fanzine type bands and then of course you know slayer was out um merciful fate you know i mean this kind of thing but there wasn't really like a extreme you know death metal presence that was you know it, it, as in your face it is is these days at least,
1: mm-hmm. um, so did, did yeah, you um, we, uh, did you have a relationship with Chuck Schuldiner at all? Yeah, we were buddies. Gotcha. Yeah, what do you what do you remember about him?
0: Um, just really laid back, you know, fun guy. I mean, we lived in Daytona Beach, and he lived in uh, in Orlando, and we lived v- virtually on the beach. And he'd just, he'd come over and, you know, we'd just go hang out on the
1: beach. Nice. Look at girls, <laughs> you know. I mean, that's what you do, right? Yeah, no, for sure. Yeah, no, great, yeah. Yeah, I'd have to say uh, both Morbid Angel and Death are my two favourite extreme metal bands by a long way. Um, I both got into you um, in the early 90s when I was a, a teenager and uh, you stayed with me the entire time, actually, so so there you go. Cool. Cool. Um, Genie Torturers. Now, I hope you don't mind me asking a question about your time in the band. Um, but there's a bit no, of a, bit of ambiguity out there about your time in the band, and you, you, it's not that you changed names, but you adopted the moniker Evil D. And um, like many in 1996, after you left Morbid Angel, uh, you know we didn't have, really have the internet as we back then as we do now, and I had no idea where you went mm. to, and found out a couple of years later through Metal Maniacs magazine that you were in um, Genie Torturers. Can you shed some light on your time in that band? Sure. Well, so um, I was married to the singer,
0: and you know, it was just kind of like—I mean, something that it, you know, it wasn't—it wasn't my thing. It was a thing that I was just doing, right? So um, it was very entertaining. Um, but it was just, you know, it's more, you know, it's more of a rock band, more, you know, punk slash rock slash, I guess, you know, a, a bit of industrial thrown in. But yep. it, you know, that was just more, you know, I mean, that that's that's all about her vision.
1: Yeah, gotcha. So um, certainly, the fans that I talk to, um, the feedback that I get is they're a bit confused about the transition. From morbid angel into genie tortures, um for example, a lot of people myself included consider you the premier voice of death metal, and you basically you were sort of in the background in an underground um well, when I use this term okay, I think I'm borrowing the term from somebody who used it on the internet s and m industrial music was it was it a, a decision to sort of get out of the limelight for a bit, or was it just the way things evolved? no, you know i just I was just supporting Jen and
0: yeah, that was. You know, I I, I just uh, it would it mean, it was a fun. I mean, it was very entertaining for me too. Because, gosh, I mean, she had a stage show that she put together that was just you know I never knew what the hell. You know, sometimes <laughs> I'd be looking over and I'd be like, what in the fuck is going on? You know? yeah. Um, but, yeah. But uh, no, you know, it's just you know it, it was it was entertaining for me, um, and uh, kind of took my mind off of you know kind of got re- got me readjusted yeah. for. You know, not yes yeah, so or no. It, I definitely was not in the limelight in that band. I was just uh, like complete pay, uh, playing a supportive role.
1: Gotcha. Where do you think your your time in Genie as Torture, fits in the overall scheme and your considerable legacy?
0: Um, not as as I mean, you know, it was important for different reasons. Not so much from from a musical standpoint. Um, but it, it, you know, it just—I I don't know. It's just you know part of a portfolio. Sure. Um, yep. You know, I mean, some of it was more enjoyable than others. Um, but uh, you know, it—it—it it, it was a passing, you know, something that came and and you know, I mean, I haven't done that for—I mean, it's been over a decade since have anything to do with that yep
1: yep yep gotcha did you guys ever tour australia yes as a matter of fact yeah i was i thought you might have actually if i recall correctly and i could be wrong here but i think it was about 2003 or so and i remember seeing the ad for it but only after you guys had sort of come and gone it wasn't i don't know who the promoter was but it wasn't really broadcast uh, prominently if you like and mm. um you sort of came and went that happens (laughs) yeah yeah and i remember a few of uh of course my my metal listening brethren and i were quite annoyed that we didn't get an opportunity to see you in any way shape or form um but anyway that's life and that's in the past so um i'll um if you don't mind i'd like to ask you Yeah, 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 yeah,
0: yeah 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 it
1: was fun times man i mean it uh
0: you know it's 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 always better to do more than do less
1: Oh, for sure. Yeah, no. I have seen a couple of videos on YouTube and they look great. The music sounds good. Uh, Again, it's fun.
0: It's not, it's definitely, in no way, shape, or form resembles or is meant to resemble, you know, like extreme metal or country uh, for that matter. So,
1: yep. Okay, um, going to talk about Morbid Angel again, if that's okay, and and somebody that you were in the band sure. with for a number of years, um, Pete Sandoval. Um, mm-hmm. Tell me about your relationship with Pete. Um,
0: I feel that it's pretty good. Um, I saw him not too long ago, and um, you know he's 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 kind of changed directions a little bit, and um, he's found. Uh, you know, found some ways to to get him through. He, he had some 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 pretty severe physical challenges yes. that were, really were were much worse than I had imagined them being. Yeah, he has a personality that that you know sometimes he he you know he has the ability to uh, over accentuate things on a regular basis Mm -hmm. so sometimes you're just like oh well that you know it's just pete's personality that's just the way that he talks and stuff but we you know when he was you know saying yeah my back is really you know my back is really bothering me and and again i i i never dreamed that it was really as bad as it was until i i actually saw you know his mri reports i'm like god man this is like this is really serious yeah um, yeah. And probably should have been addressed much sooner. Um, but uh, yeah, I so meant- thankfully he's he, he's doing he's doing a lot better now, um, and uh, he seems happy. Yeah. He seems like he's is, uh, you know he's not because because he's not in pain. So he's, that means that he's not having to take so much pain medication that also has the tendency to you know alter someone's personality after a while. Um, yes. Yes. So that—that's you know all of these things. You know, you look back in retrospect, it's like, wow, man, you know that. But uh, Pete was and still is really a trooper. Um, he he worked really, 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 really hard mm. um, and to to achieve everything that he did, and um, I, I I have nothing but respect for that.
1: Wonderful, and another Morbid Angel luminary, Eric Rutan. Can you tell me about your relationship with Eric? Get along with Eric
0: well. Um, tremendous guitar player. Um, you know, we worked together for several years, uh, and he actually even came back uh, back into Morbid for a, a short period of time. Uh, I, I want to I almost want to say. I think it was at least a year mm-hmm. um, <clears throat> to do some festivals and stuff. And, uh, yeah, and, you know, amazing guy. He has a, you know, a, he's become almost a go-to producer now. He's gotten yeah. really, really good, and he's, he makes really great records. Um, I'm proud of him. You know, all these people, man, it, it's just like I, I appreciate it when people, you know, get after something if they have a dream to do something and they do it and they're actually successful on it you know they don't give up and they don't take no for an answer i mean he's eric is another one of those um those people who just he decided he was going to get after something and and he did and he did it in a big way so
1: yeah no no thanks for that and um the guitarist prior to Eric, of course, was uh, Richard Brunell. Um, do you have mm-hmm. much contact with him these days, or is he just off the radar completely? None.
0: I I, I have very little contact with him. He's he has he has his own challenges that uh, yep. that he has to deal with. Yep, fair enough. No animosity, but there's no animosity. But it's just like I mean, I've, it's been, gosh, I don't know six, eight years since I've spoken to him.
1: hmm Now, oh, thanks for the feedback on that one there. Yeah, it's, um, look, I, you know, without going into any detail, of course, I've seen that there's been some challenges that he's facing uh, through some news reports on the internet, so I hope he manages to yeah. sort things out. Yeah. Yeah. Well, that's just, it. it, it that,
0: that's a pattern. Uh-huh. Right. Yep. And, um, you know, it's like, it, it's, you know, it, uh, you know, I mean, every all adults have to make their own decisions. I mean, you, know, you get at a point where you know, you know, you're not you're at a certain age, and you know there there aren't parents to tell you what to do anymore. And hopefully, there's you know you find yourself in a situation where you're able to make choices that are going to keep you you know out in the free world and uh, yep and you know not you know creating a you know making choices that are going to create additional aggravations in your lives and or the life of your friends or perhaps bandmates, or significant others or whatever the hell, you
1: know? Yeah, no, gotcha. So my so next question is about Illude Divinum Insanus because I genuinely love that album and even went to the extent of buying it on vinyl. Um, I'll just tell you a funny story. Um... The song, Destructos versus the Earth Attack, uh, I've got two young daughters, they're both underneath the age of four, and um, we put on that song and we stomp around the living room. Um, and uh, we try to get <laughs> the dog, we've got an English bull terrier, and we try to get the dog to jump up in the backyard to look right. at us through the window because he likes, or he knows that when we put on that song, as the kids start jumping and stomping around, that uh, it's our little family get-together. So I want to thank you for writing that song and creating a family <laughs> moment for us. <laughs> So, oh boy. Well,
0: that was a, yeah, that was a really weird one. Um, there's a number of things on that, on that record that are really weird. And, um, I, uh, you yeah, know, there was, there was some strange ideas at the time and I, I did my best to work with them and, and just clear my mind of any preconceived notions and, and, uh, and, you know, and, and, and do my part, which is
1: sing the song. So, yeah, look, if you and don't try, mind, try me, to
0: find a, a, a strange way to tell a story with it, too.
1: Yeah. If you don't mind me saying it, it sounded pretty apparent where a lot of the weird influences were coming from. Um, was that something that you could see evolving over a period of time, or was it something that just sort of came out and went, right, we're going to change from doing. Because Heretic was. Heretic's a very odd sounding record as well, it's paper thin. And then you go to elude, which is very broad and of course it's very dense and it's got a lot of context and there's a lot of variety and diversity on the album um, hmm. were you the author of of much of the the music or
0: um I wrote I am morbid it yeah top to bottom okay um but i I wanted to do that kind of a song because really I mean that actually the story behind that so we were. Uh, playing a show. Now I'll, I'll try to make it as Reader Digest version as possible. <laughs> and yep. the crowd. We, we happen to be recording the, the the show, and that chant in there. Uh, that was the crowd. Right. So, the, the And I remember hearing that when we were listening back to the tapes, and I heard morbid, morbid, clap, clap, more, and. I just kept thinking about that, and I'm like, I'm going to fucking write a song with that. Mm-hmm. So that's the
1: story behind that. Yeah, gotcha. Do you think, um, Oh, did the reaction of some fans and critics surprise you, though, regardless? No.
0: Not any more than any other record. Sure, yeah. I mean, with each, with each record, I mean, you know. After altars, I mean, when blessed came out, everybody had some strange reaction. Oh, they've slowed down. Oh, they, you know, like, yeah. There's yeah. always that, and then, you know, some years later, wow, oh, man, that's my favorite record. And uh and then when when covenant came out, and people heard God of Emptiness, and they're like, oh, complain, 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 and that was like the biggest record. You know, it, it just, yeah, it just takes a while for for people to catch up sometimes because it's not it's not predictable, and it's not know i probably elude was way less predictable than anyone would have predicted myself included um but uh yeah. yeah you know it's just you you have a group and and you 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 make the you know you you, you take everything to to the next level and you know within the best that you can and your contributions yeah and
1: i do that with everything i do Yep. Yeah. Uh, agreed. Well, look, as I say, I, I, and I'm quite sincere about this, I do quite like the record. Probably, I can't remember the name of the first track where it's, it's electronically based. I'm not a big fan of that one, but the rest of the album I can actually get into, and, and as I say, it's given me an opportunity to bond with my very young children, so so there you go. Um, but look, we're almost running out of time, and uh, and of course, we are. I, I, uh, I just want to ask you a question about Trey. Feel free to share as much or as little information about your relationship with Trey as you like.
0: Listen, Trey is a, is a very creative guitar player. There's no doubt about that. Um, and I will always respect that.
1: Okay. Well, that wraps things up. Again, I just want to thank you so much for taking your time out, and of course, to Suzanne again for organizing things. Do you think you'll be bringing I Am Morbid down to Australia anytime soon? Well,.
0: Oddly enough, since we announced this tour, the uh, the inbox has been filling up. So we'll see what happens. We'll see what
1: happens. Well, fingers crossed on that yeah. one. There, it's right? all.
0: It's uh, listen. It, I always
1: enjoy visiting Australia. It's a wonderful country. Well, we love you having here, mate. I've got to tell you. All right. Thanks so much again, mate. All the very best. Congratulations on a wonderful career again. And yeah, certainly hope to see you down here sometime soon. Thanks so much, man. Appreciate your time. Well, there you go. That's a conversation with David Vincent from Morbid Angel. Again, it occurred a few years back, May 4th, 2017. It was the first ever podcast episode that was launched under the Scars and Guitars banner. I think it's pretty good. That's why I'm sharing it with you here again. I have spoken to other Morbid Angel bandmates or people who are in Morbid Angels, a better, better way to describe it, and also Trey from the group's mother. That's a I only recently uploaded that, but again, that was a conversation that occurred in 2019 that I've repurposed for YouTube, so check it out if you want to get the lowdown from Trey's mum all about him. Mike Browning, too, from Nocturnus AD and the original vocalist and drummer. Had a chat with him. I've had a few conversations with Pete from Pete Commando Sandoval. Yeah. Some interesting stories to share about him But I haven't been able to share those chats Because I told Pete that I wouldn't But I did write a yarn So if you're interested in that Go across to scarsandguitars.com And search Pete Sandoval And you should be able to find that one fairly easily Also too, when you're on the website Dive into the rest of the podcast episodes there Because you're sure to find a bunch of stuff that You'll enjoy listening to Recently spoke to the guys at Inflamed And Michael Amet from Carcass and Arch Enemy so if you like, love talking to music- I love talking to musicians in the world of extreme metal. And if you like listening to those sort of chats, I'm here for you. So my name's Andrew mackay smith and I'm the host of the Scars and Guitars podcast series. So I've written a book, and there's some more information to share with you in the moment. But before we get to that, I really appreciate that you've tuned in. Thanks so much for listening. And until next time, it's a very good bye for now.
0: This is Eric Rutan of Cannibal Corpse. You are listening to the Scars and Guitars
1: podcast with Andrew McKay-Smith. I've been the host of the Scars and Guitars podcast since 2017. The first musician I interviewed for the show was David Vincent from Morbid Angel, and things have just snowballed from there. In all, I've posted almost 650 podcast episodes featuring conversations with many of the leading lights of rock, heavy metal, And beyond. It just got to a point where I thought, I need to write a book about all this, so that's exactly what I did. In Scars and Guitars Volume 1, you'll read a heap of deep reveals and commentary, such as Des Fafara talking about Cold Chamber and why the band will never return. You know, if you're
0: a band just starting out, you need to hear me.
1: Do not start a band with partners. Ever. Yeah, wise, wise words there. Uh, sage advice, mate, for anybody. Don't ever, because I, I can't go do Cold Chamber right now unless I get others involved. Phil Anselmo talks about the episode in his career which gives him the greatest sense of accomplishment. I think the
0: staying power of the, the fans and the staying power of the of the songs, you know, whether it's Pantera, Down, or Superjoint, the
1: fans remember the songs. Alex Skolnick from Testament confirms that, yes, playing the guitar in Ozzy's band is anything but an ordinary gig. Will Oz from Demu Borgir write a book? Pa from Sabaton gives advice to people who want to start a band. Look at the team around you, look at the bandmates. If, uh, if the guys want to be on the stage, And it's all cool. If the guys wanna be backstage, then it's not gonna be cool. Current and former members of Cradle of Filth discuss the band's seminal 90s material. Read about the reaction to George Lynch and Mark from Suicide Silence's comments when they throw shade at then-President Donald Trump. We have this idiotic monster, you know, this egotistical,
0: self-aggrandizing Complete piece of shit in there. I, I, I just, I just can't understand how we've gotten to this place.
1: And yeah, we kicked a hornet's nest with Sepultura. The Overlord Gene Hoagland talks about recording with Chuck Schuldiner.
0: Chuck was always, um, you know, he was, he was very, you know, very open-minded, and and he was into having his his musicians that were playing with him just reach out for for the best stuff that they had.
1: Phil Campbell from Motorhead discusses what it takes to get sober. John Five answers his critics who dismiss his tenure with Marilyn Manson. You know, my name is John Five and Manson gave me that name and um, I had some of the best years of my life in that band and and learned a lot. And we get the lowdown on Traeg Zagtoth from those who would know, including his mother. All across Scars and Guitars Volume 1 there are moments of tension, relief, tragedy, exhilaration and throughout it all you'll obtain insight that I believe no one else has managed to obtain from many of your favourite artists. So treat yourself. Scars and Guitars Volume 1 is currently available as an ebook, with a print edition on the horizon. Follow the links attached and download a sample. I'm sure you'll be compelled to read the whole book.